Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring awareness to some great nonprofits around the country. Today, we're going to be speaking with Kevin Hilton from Blind Cat Rescue. Hey, everybody. We're so excited to be interviewing Catherine Hilton from Blind Cat Rescue. Um, Catherine, so so thankful that you're on today. Um, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity. I'm it glad is. to be here. It is. And I think uh, what, what we're looking through, you know, a lot of nonprofits, uh, Blind Cat Rescue is just one of the ones that came up and, you know, it's something that's so different, uh, yet it, it's so impactful. Um, you know, going to the website, I think everyone should see it. Uh, kind of the work they do. Um, it's it's really, uh, really awesome. So we'll kind of get into it. Um, just starting uh, from your life story, right? I think it's always important to kind of go from there and then kind of talk about the, non- the nonprofit. Um, how did you get started? Um, you know, where did you grow up? Where did you go for school? Mm-hmm. I grew up in um, Western North Carolina in the mountains in a small town that's almost in Tennessee. Um, it's a beautiful place to, to live and grow up. A lot of, you know, running around and and it's just a, a gorgeous place. And we always had pets, you know, when I was growing up. And um, I went to high school up there and I went to college at the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. And my degree is I have a liberal arts degree in history and classical civilization. And my original goal was to work in archives management or a museum. So you can see I didn't really stick to that path. <laughs> and is that, is that, uh, how, how did you, you shift over to that nonprofit, you know, mindset? Is it something that, you know, one day you thought about it, like just like a epiphany or is it something that's gradually over time? You know, I think you go where you're led and, um, I, I sort of was led into it. I was working, I've always worked for nonprofits and I don't, you know, don't know why. Um, It's just that I was led into those kinds of positions and I I had intended to go to grad school and I just, I never went, I joined the workforce and I'm still in it. So, but I, you know, when the opportunities present themselves, if they feel like a good fit and something that I think I can contribute to, I would go for those. Okay. So is, is, did you go to other nonprofits and then Blind Cat Rescue was just the, the one you saw later on um, and that's kind of the just, you know, pulled your heartstrings and that's kind of what really kept you? Well, actually, you know, um, it was an experience. My husband and I um, had lost two of our cats in 2010 and he we wanted to adopt another one and he found this cat on Pet Finder, which is a legitimate um, good place to look for pets if people are looking. And he found this blind cat. And we were like, we don't know much about blind cats. I wonder, you know, what we should do. So he Googled blind cats and blind cat rescue came up. And so he reached out to our director and founder, Alana Miller, and said, hi, we want to adopt a blind cat. What do we need to know? And she pretty much said, you don't need to know anything because they know their cats. They don't know they're blind. So we're the ones that label them. They just proceed, proceed with their lives as cats do. So we went ahead and adopted this blind cat. We still have her. And um, since I'm from North Carolina, um, we decided on a trip down there to see my parents to zip over to Blind Cat Rescue and visit. And that was in 2011. And we've just been crazy about it ever since. Um, We started as volunteers. We were going down about once a quarter. Um, We would help the staff. We would do fundraising. And my husband actually joined the board. And then in 2018, you know, life evolved and, and Blind Cat Rescue's needs evolved. And there was a way that I could use my professional skills to help them. So that became my job in 2018. And it's just been a huge joy because I, I really feel like 
in all the of all the nonprofit jobs I've had, this one really has my heart. So, so that's how it evolved. It's kind of an experience based thing. Yeah, one thing that we like to kind of get an understanding with everybody that we interview is just um, nonprofit work in general. It's I think it's something very outside of the mainstream. I mean, I think a lot of people don't go to school and just assume they're going to go in or, you know, with the intention of going and working for a nonprofit organization. It's like, as I said, it's something very out of the mainstream. So is that something we like to understand about everyone we interview is what is it about uh, working with or for a nonprofit in particular that intrigues you? Like, it's what drew you to that area of work? Well, I've worked for a lot of nonprofits. Um, I've done performing arts. I've done historic preservation. You know, I, I was at public broadcasting for a while. And I think in all cases, it's really your heart and your enthusiasm that get engaged a whole lot more. Um, I did have a, a private sector job for a little while and, and, you know, it was nice. It was a paycheck, but I, you know, my heart really wasn't in it. And nonprofit work really requires a lot more of people because, you know, the hours are never regular. The demands can change, you know, based on the needs and um, the, the level of what you're doing goes up and down also based on need. So I think, I think it really, it's, it involves your heart and you know, you're, you're working for something better. Yeah. And one of the previous interviews that we did, Joel made a comment um, that it, it takes like a particular type of person to go and work in a nonprofit. I think you have to be very selfless to because mm-hmm. I think in order to work in a nonprofit, at least for the most part, I think you're always you have to be somebody that thinks of other people first or other things first before yourself. So I think right, you know, it definitely takes a unique individual with a certain skill set right. <laughs> in order right. to um, work for a nonprofit. So that's, that's really there, great. There's this quote that I saw recently that I really it resonated with me a lot. It said, "Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need." And I, I think that's true for everybody and, and everybody's, you know, joy is, is going to match up with a different greatest need. It's just kind of where your heart is. Yeah. And I think that classic, you know, for, for saying uh, you have to love what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to go to work, you should lo- love what you're doing for work every day, you know, and then it doesn't, it's not just a job. You know, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's very important. The other piece of that is that you meet so many other people who are just as excited as you are about what you're doing. And it makes you feel connected to other people. And like there's a network of people thinking and feeling the way you do, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's really empowering, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's been our like favorite part of, you know, this this journey with podcasting is that meeting such great people. Right. I think we've met uh people from a range of different nonprofits. Um, and I, I will say, you know, I always think they're always going to be the nicest people I've, I've ever met, you know, exactly. <laughs> I still, I s- still believe that. So, um, <laughs> and I think you're right on track yeah. uh, just as nice. So, um, kind of shifting into the, the actual, the, the nonprofit, um, tell us about blind Kai rescue. Um, you know, the history of it, um, uh, where it got started. Mm-hmm. Um, blind cat rescue is the, the result of the passion and drive of our founder, um, Alana Miller. She and her daughter were um, animal lovers and were volunteering in an animal shelter where they lived in North Carolina. And they kept seeing that, you know, blind cats that would come in were euthanized immediately, never got a chance to be adopted or even anything. And so somebody brought in a a kitten named Louie and they said, this cat's blind. If you don't take him, I'm going to leave him in the parking lot and drive away. And they were like, they just couldn't do that. They could not let that happen. So they they wound up adopting Louie. And he was such a, a, a great cat. And, and they saw 
she saw a need. So she started to bring in other blind cats. And eventually in 2005, it evolved into Blind Cat Rescue. And the mission is to provide a safe, loving, and healthy forever home for these cats who would never have a chance to be adopted in animal control facilities and shelters in, in this country, which is a shame. Um, and since 2005, she has expanded our mission to include cats who test positive for FIV and feline leukemia. Um, both of those are not necessarily immediate death sentences, but um, cats who are in shelters are euthanized right away, even though they could live you know, longer lives. So we've, we've been taking those cats in since 2011. And um, we have a, uh, she's done a brilliant job really of building that community through social media. We have a very big Facebook following. We have people who follow us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. You know, she's just really built this now, I'm happy to say global community of people wow. who share our vision of wanting people to understand that these cats can be pets. They don't have to, be euthanized right away. And she's built a, a class A facility in um, rural North Carolina. That is, it is, um, I mean, grade A all the way. I mean, people who go there always say, wait a minute, this is an animal shelter. I don't smell any like, you know, litter boxes or anything. And it's true. The staff works incredibly hard to maintain, you know, cleanliness, the health of the cats, you know, everything they need. And it's, it's really well done. Yeah. So on the note of the facility, um, I guess when you say that the scale is or the, the facility is a grade A um, facility and it's like very well built and maintained, I guess what's the capacity of it? I, you know, how many cats can the facility hold? What you know? Well, we have three buildings, and at capacity, we can hold about probably around a hundred cats. Um, we're a little lower right now because of the COVID virus, and and part of that is that. We need to make sure that we have enough staff to continuously care for the cats as their as their needs are. And if if someone should get exposed to COVID or God forbid come down with it, that would could potentially decimate the staff who are available to do the work. So we're we're purposely keeping our numbers low right now okay. just to maintain that. But we have had as many as about 103 or four. So, um, as you mentioned COVID, you know, on the, on that note, obviously this past year, that's been the number one topic in the news and it's impacted everybody in a different way. And I think in interviewing quite a few organizations so far, um, we've kind of learned about how COVID has impacted each and every one of them. So, um, for blind cat rescue, what has been the biggest challenge so far that you guys have faced due to the pandemic? Well, our biggest problem is that we haven't been able to welcome anybody to the facility. Um, we had, we generally have open houses every month where we invite people to come out on a Saturday afternoon. They can wander around, spend time with the cats, meet the staff, meet, meet Alana, everything. We weren't able to do that at all. And that's been a big disappointment because, you know, nothing's better than hands-on person to person or person to cat experience. So, um, that's been our biggest problem is, is just not being able to welcome people because, you know, people, some of our supporters plan their vacations around coming to visit. Um, we've had people drop by who've been going up and down I-95, <laughs> you know, so it's, that's been a big problem, I think, you know, and, and maintaining our contact with people when they can't come in person. That's hard. For reference, uh, where are your facilities? 
They are located in St. Paul's, North Carolina, which is just south of Fayetteville and just north of Lumberton off of I-95. Okay, got it. And then has that, has COVID impacted the amount of uh, cats you've been able to receive or, you know, any of the, the programs you've been uh, d- doing as well? Um, it has impacted the number of cats we can receive right now. Like I just said, we're trying to keep the numbers manageable so that if someone on the staff should become sick, the cat's care will not be impacted by that. So that's, yeah, that's been a problem. Um, I think it's, uh, obviously, I'm sure like everybody, it's impacted donations in in a way um, because people are experiencing financial hardship that they hadn't before. But at the other end of that, we have people who have really stepped up and said, I know that this is happening, so I want to help out a little more, which is wonderful. I mean, that's just a real testament to how much people love the organization and the cats. Yeah. And it's, I think it's something we've seen um, this year is just the human spirit, right? I think Prince had talked about it a couple episodes ago, but um, especially something like this, it brings people together like nothing else, right? Um, Absolutely. You can really see how much people care, even when they're struggling, even when you know they're having issues still being able to give and support others. So um, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely uh, impressive to, to see. Um, and we- we try to make it as easy as possible by giving people a range of ways that they can help. So they're not breaking the bank. You know, they can go online and purchase, you know, a case of food or, you know, syringes or something. You know, there's a range of ways that people can help. Yeah. And I, I think one of the cooler ways was, uh, you know, going on the website and, and seeing specific cats. Right. And I think that was it was really uh, kind of cool just to see, you know, oh, this is Charity. This is Ella. And, you know, there's so many different <laughs> cats in there just to, you know, if you are going to donate, you know, sometimes it's it's hard because it's a broad donation. And you don't know where it goes. But sometimes when you see the, you know, who the end user you're helping is. Right. And it's a cat. and It's yeah. a cute cat. Uh, it, it helps a lot. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, one of our bigger programs is a sponsorship program where, Like if you had gone online and said, oh, wow, I just think Ella is amazing. I want to sponsor her. There's a link right on her page for you to do that. And that's a fixed amount every month. And then you get regular updates about Ella and pictures and things like that. And that's a way people really do. Like you just said, they stay very connected that way. They feel like that's their virtual pet, you know, in a lot of ways. So I know I know this is probably not uh, doesn't apply today, uh, but hopefully after the pandemic, um, how does somebody volunteer? I saw there's a section on in your website about volunteering as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We love to have volunteers come by. We um, ask that they contact Alana and that email is on the website. And we people can come in and, and if they want to come and help the staff and find out what they do and be part of that process of cleaning and feeding and, you know, all of that, they can come sort of late morning and help in that way. If they just want to come and visit with the cats, the best time to come is in the afternoon after about 1230. And we're open till four, I believe. So, you know, that's a great way just to come and hang out and be with the cats. And if you want to, you know, at that time, pitch in on something, you sure can. But we loved it. We've had groups, we have Girl Scout groups, we've had senior groups come in, we've had individuals and um, families. It's, it's, that's the best way is just to contact her. Yeah, because that way she can control with sort of how many people site no definitely um one question that you know i had initially when when i you know looking at the website and and you know doing the research about it um is is would you ever change your focus for blind cats or is it you know is there other parts of uh other issues that cats have that you would ever focus on or is it blind cats you know like already hard enough to kind of manage um is it Um, i think 
I think since blind cats were the sort of founding focus, I think they will always be part of a large, maybe the majority part of what we do. But like I said, she's already added FIV positive and feline leukemia positive cats. So, you know, we have a couple tripod cats who have three legs because they were injured and, you know, so those kind of cats also come in, but I think blind cats will probably always be our focus. We do sponsor a, um, a spay and neuter program in a different County working with a local uh, organization and TNR groups, and that's trap neuter and release groups. And um, in the last probably four years, I think through their efforts and, and our partnership with them, they have spayed or neutered over 6,000 cats. Mm-hmm. And that, I, you know, that's millions of kittens right there that will not be born into um, less than perfect circumstances in danger, you know, living in a feral colony. So we're really proud of that work because I think, you know, that also reduces the number of cats who wind up in shelters. You know, some of them are adoptable. And if the vet feels that they, you know, could potentially be someone's pet, they will go to an adoption facility. But um, that work is hugely important, especially in North Carolina. There are just a lot of um, feral colonies and stray colonies. So it's kind of cool, as you mentioned, uh, the way that um, even though, like the primary focus of what blind cat rescue is that that primary focus is still there, but they've been able to kind of expand and, um, you know, I guess be able to do more um, than just rescue blind cats. So um, on that note, um, what does the future of blind cat rescue look like? I mean, do you, do you see yourself? Well, I'm, you really, guys, I'm really hoping we can get past COVID soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me and the rest of the world. I know. I think we would just really like to um, be able to welcome people back for that hands on person to cat experience. And I think we will continue to to grow. And my my goal would be to continue to spread the word um, internationally so that, you know, I, I would love it down the road if if states, you know, would make it policy that blind cats weren't euthanized right away. And part of the problem is that there are so many cats period in, in, you know, animal shelters and animal control facilities that blind cats just get shoved down the list a little further because of need. But I would love it if at some point that was legislated, that blind cats could really, you know, have a chance. You you mentioned something earlier on in the podcast. Um, You said that the cats don't know they have a disability. It's kind of like something that we're putting on to them, right? Like if yeah. they're never, and I thought of that, as you were saying that, I was thinking of it like, you know, if you never tell a blind person that they're blind, they're never going to know that they're blind, right? Like they don't know the difference. So we kind yeah. of impose like, what is a disability onto something? So in this case, like with blind cats, I think, as you mentioned, you know, it'd be cool to see a change in how people view, um, for in this case, like blind cats, you know, like it is a cat that can still be a pet um, and it's not really something they should be looked at as a disability or something that's a disadvantage for, uh, you know, this particular, in this particular instance. Absolutely. And if people would go to our YouTube um, page, we have, there's a short video up there of cats, blind cats who are bird watching. And if, if you, it's, it's very short, it's probably maybe 20, 20 or 30 seconds, but it's about five of our cats who, who don't have their eyes, Um, They lost their eyes and they're up on top of a climber um, watching some birds that flew in they under their open facility and the birds are flying around and the cats are literally moving their heads wherever the birds go and they can't see them. 
but they're bird watching. Yeah. And they cool. catch bugs, they catch frogs, you know, they're not <laughs> disabled in any way. Right. It's obviously you don't want a blind cat to be outside if you have one, you know, because that's a, a true danger. They should always be either indoors or in a uh, an enclosed yard. But they they run, they climb, they play, they do everything just like a regular cat. So um, does blind cat rescue really, um, I know, as you said before, it's, it's, there are a lot of cats right there. I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a problem. Do you guys work more independently or is it, um, do you ever partner with other organizations, shelters, um, so that when they get something in that, you know, you're notified and kind of, uh, there's a path to get them to your facility? We get notified all the time. I, I can't tell you how many times a day Alana hears from, you know, people, her veterinary's office, other facilities. It's, I can't imagine what a hard job it is to have to say, you know, I'm sorry, we can't, or it's, it must be really tough, but we have partnered with other organizations sort of more in a uh, uh, help capacity. Like when we have um, extra resources of food or things, we'll, we'll share those with local, local animal care facilities um, and we've done fundraisers before for animals that were um, lost their homes or their families were in need after hurricanes, because where we are is a very hurricane prone area and flooding. And so we've helped that way. And um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of, and I think Alana should be too, if she's not, I'm sure she is, is um, she realized that the in her county in the first responder vehicles, they did not have um, oxygen masks for animals which are made, that's a, you know, it's a real thing. So she did a fundraiser and made it possible for every single first responder vehicle in, in Robeson County, North Carolina now has an animal oxygen mask that they can use. Cause you know, pets are often hurt in fires, home fires too. So I think that's, that's amazing and an important thing. Yeah. And I am sure it's, it's, uh, it was probably overlooked for many years, right? But then when the situation comes up, it's then it's needed and it's useful. So mm -hmm. um, that's right. definitely definitely awesome. So for our listeners and those who are listening, we def we always try to um, give them the option to be able to, the opportunity to be able to partner with you guys and get involved um, in what it is you guys are doing and what your mission is and support that. So um, can you just kind of brief us um, for the edification of our listeners? Um, how can they um, get connected with Blind Cat Rescue? Um, you know, what's the best way for them to support Blind Cat Rescue and what their mission is? Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Everything people need to know is on our website, which is www.blindcatrescue.com. Um as I mentioned, we have many, many ways people can contribute. Um, I would encourage people to go to the cats page and read some of their stories, um, find out why they're there, how they got there. It's, it's pretty inspiring. It, you might need to have a Kleenex handy because some of the stories are very sad, but um, they all have a happy ending. But we have many, many ways to contribute. We have wish lists on Chewy and Amazon. We have our sponsor program. We have a sustainer program where you can um, make a monthly donation, but you decide what your budget will allow. Um, we also have a very active Facebook page. I would encourage people to find Blind Cat Rescue on Facebook. We also have a friends page um, where people can post things about their own cats and um, it's kind of a, a group. Um, those two are our most visible ways. Um, 
We also have daily live tours. We have two live tours every day where one of the staff members goes around the shelter in, in one or another building and um, introduces people to the cats and talks about the cats. And that's a great way to see them in action, you know, showing that they're not, you know, blindness doesn't mean a whole lot <laughs> to them. And um, so I'd encourage people to do that. Watch the, watch the live tours. Um, and when we can reopen, <laughs> please come by and see us. But in the meantime, I think our website will be the best place to start. I was actually just, I just pulled up the website myself and there's a page on here um, called the cats and um, it's meet the cats and you can actually see the cats. Um, you can click on their pages and you can like um, Catherine had mentioned, you know, read their story and it actually lists on here, which is kind of cool. Um, the people who have sponsored um, these cats and um, yeah, they're very passionate people and we're always happy to acknowledge them. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I like that. I think, you know, I should, I should also mention really quickly, we have, we're really transparent. We have 24 hour live streaming cameras in all of our cat rooms. Yeah, I'm seeing that right now. Um, if you go to the, I think it's watch live tab yeah. and, yep. and, and go into Zmodo, you can watch them any time of day, mm -hmm. day or night. That's cool. You can, you can, you can watch who you're supporting, right? So you can, exactly. you can donate yeah, you can and then find out which room your cat's in and just tune into that room. You know, if two computers, one's watching the cat, you know, one's doing work, right? So yeah. it's, it's a perfect <laughs> setup, right? And, and that's something we definitely like to, so for our, our listeners as well, those who choose to donate to the organizations that we interview and that, you know, we bring awareness to, um, it's kind of cool that they can donate and they can sponsor a cat and then they can actually go in and they can see uh, what their money is going towards and you know exactly. how it's impacting um this exactly. organization so um yep. yeah we're really we're really happy that we can let people have that kind of access especially now when they can't come physically they can at least be present with their cat online yeah no definitely well Catherine, we just want to thank you again um i think it was a it was a, a great talk um something yeah. that i think we something you don't often think about but it's it's just as important right and i think it was um, really impactful hopefully people everyone just goes um just likes their pages supports them um and especially these days with, uh, in covid um but just want to thank you again i appreciate yeah. all the time and we'll put uh links to their uh blind cat rescue page their social media the uh, youtube page their website in the description of this podcast for those of you who want to just go directly there and click and view um, their website and support them as well. So yeah, thank you again, Catherine. We appreciate your time this morning. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Hey everybody. Just want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. As we mentioned, we have links to blind cat rescue on their webpage and their social media in the description of this podcast. Please be sure to uh, follow and subscribe to giving connected um, and follow our Paisa giving social media page as well. Um, that way you can hear about great nonprofits that we talk to in the future. If you want to get in touch with Giving Connected, um, you can find out our contact information in the description below. We're excited for our episode next week with Barbara from Wells Bring Hope. You can find that podcast available next Monday. This has been Prince and Joel with Giving Connected.